official home of the Canucks. Tiki Pete comes out of the box and puts the puck into the back of the net. Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Bick and the Boss. Bick Nazar, Craig McEwen here on the home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Busy day, busy week in the NHL. Expansion draft, entry draft, roster freeze. Uh, it's also expected the uh, the schedule gets announced today. I believe they're going to be doing it uh, on ESPN Sports Center for a, for a bit of it. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what uh, it looks like. Now we we kind of got some details yesterday uh, with the Seattle Kraken. They'll start their season in Las Vegas, but the home opener against Saturday night Canucks. in Seattle. How many oh, people yeah. are going to go now for that one? Well, I mean, hopefully a lot because the borders and everything will be sorted out by then. But uh, the 23rd and then uh, Monday Night Football on the 25th. Can What uh, a weekend that would be. That would be a I great char- weekend. Can I charge that to the company card, C-Mac? Sure. Oh. You're booking it off right now too, right? You want me to make note of this. Oh, come on. As if as if you're not going to ask me to work on Saturday on the 23rd. <laughs> like, hey, we're going down. We got clearance. We got exemption. We can go down. Live from the press row at Climate Pledge Arena. Yeah, and then uh, another night and the Monday Nighter. Yeah. I mean, we can work on – we've been doing shows from home for 17 months. Why can't we do a show from Seattle on Monday at the stadium? Hey, you should be in management. You, you've you got potential. You, no, because you, I want to spend money all the time. Look, I, I'm just charging us up on a trip down south and – you know, gear to get set up. I, I feel like I, I'm here for the ideas. I, I don't necessarily know how the money works. Okay, well, just get a sponsor, and then you can go. All just just get the sponsor, and you can go. Yeah, uh, that's a great idea. Here we go. Uh, Pring in Vancouver uh, says, "You guys are nuts if you think Montreal is breathing a sigh of relief, retaining Price. That is an albatross of a contract. Price has been a disaster for four seasons, apart from one Cinderella run through a Canadian division." Guy's never winning another playoff round in his career. Well, let's pitch it by uh, Eric Engels now, Sportsnet's Montreal Canadiens reporter, and uh, you can check out his work at sportsnet.ca. Uh, uh, Eric, I was going to make the point, the, the point that I feel like Montreal, fans of the, the Canadiens, maybe Mark Bergeron himself, is kind of breathing a sigh of relief that Kerry Price wasn't selected. Is that fair to suggest? Sure, for 50% of them. <laughs> <laughs> It's no different in Vancouver than it is in Montreal or anywhere else where it's a hot hockey market. You're always going to have, you know, polar opposite opinions of things. Um, if there's a group of people that believe kind of what you were just saying as I got looped into the conversation that, you know, his contract is an albatross and it's never going to be good and it's going to be an issue because he hasn't been good for four regular seasons. I mean, I think that's personally uh, – What's the word I'm looking for? Dramatic. Um, maybe a bit of a garbage take. Uh, you know, he just brought the Canadians to within three wins of a Stanley Cup. Um, he's turning 34 next month. He's not turning 44. Uh, and, you know, understanding that he's had injury situations and not discounting the inconsistency that we've seen from him in the regular season uh, over the last little while. Uh, I do believe that he's capable of playing better during the regular season. And if he continues to play the way he did in the playoffs, he will retain a fair degree of value to the Montreal Canadiens more so than he would anywhere else. So, you know, they signed that contract and were happy with it the day they did. And they understood that that locked them into a marriage with Carey Price over the long term. And nothing that happened over the last week really changed any of that. 
And, and I know Eric, he, he maybe doesn't come off as the most uh, quote worthy person, probably a little, we've heard quieter in the room, but he is kind of part of that heartbeat of that Habs organization, isn't he? When it comes to leadership and, and, and doing things the right way. And, and those types of players contract money aside are very important when you're, especially in the Canadians case, when they want to try to get back to another Stanley cup. Yeah, for sure. He's done a big part in, in establishing the culture that the Canadians are all about, which I think is a pretty healthy one considering what we just saw from them. Right. It's not their elite level talent. They don't have the Austin Matthews or Elias Pettersons of the world that brought them to within a, a few wins of the Stanley cup. It is the character within their room and the culture they've created. Um, and I think that's going to be pervasive, even with Shea Weber and the news around him right now, uh, but particularly with Carey Price continuing in his position. So, you know, look, we're talking about the winningest goaltender in franchise history uh, in a franchise that has a history of winning goaltenders. You know, he, this guy has a pedigree that is virtually unmatched in the National Hockey League, and he's still one of the best goalies in the world. Uh, the players around him look at him, you know, awestruck uh, as far as his teammates are concerned in terms of what he can do in practice, but in terms of the way he carries himself and how hard he works to be who he is. And um, I think there's a value in that that can't be quantified in dollars and cents. Um, and again, it's not to dismiss all the truths we know, that he's suffered several injuries over the last number of years, that he's facing another one that could keep him sidelined for a portion of this season and could be more serious than is even anticipated right now. We'll find out. Um, and that, you know, his play has not been up to snuff over the last four regular seasons, but the Canadians are hoping to mitigate that with the plan that they put in place to have Jake Allen here to take on much more of the workload. And we were able to keep Allen through the moves they made at the expansion draft and we'll see where it all goes. Eric Engels joining us, Sportsnet's Montreal reporter. So how aggressive, uh, do you foresee uh, the Montreal Canadiens being now with a you know, bit more of a wiggle room contractually with you know, Shea Weber and maybe Price being out for some time as well? Well, I don't think Mark Bergevin has ever been shy about being aggressive in the marketplace, whether it's through trade or via unrestricted free agency and getting creative around the draft. Um, he's shown a willingness and a boldness in his decisions that I would never discount him from doing something that could blow everyone's socks off. Uh, this year in particular with a stagnating cap and moving forward, you know, there are a lot of players available that wouldn't otherwise be. And the Seattle expansion draft exposed that to all the GMs and which ones take the most advantage. You know, we'll find out. One of the things I asked Mark Bergman about today, which he gave an interesting answer to was how do you balance your success in reaching the Stanley Cup final and that as a selling point to free agents versus what I think a lot of the Canadian teams have to be concerned about right now, which is the, the different protocols in place in Canada regarding COVID, uh, that if potentially we get into a fourth wave and knock on wood, we don't, and heaven forbid, I really hope we don't. I don't want to see anyone in the country or anywhere in the world take a step backwards in our progress against battling this wretched disease. But you know, for whatever reason, um, things get a little more serious. We know that Canada is going to be a lot more restrictive than the United States will be. That's kind of been the track record here. Will that be something that free agents are thinking about as they decide on where they're going to spend their future and, and specifically next season? 
Uh, and Mark Bergman said it's a reality that they're facing right now, and they won't know for sure until the next week or two, uh, you know, in, until we get to free agency and those decisions start getting made. So, you know, I think his ambition will be to be aggressive. He wants to continue the positive momentum that the Canadians have built this year. And if he's given the opportunity and has the year and attention of certain free agents that could help fill some of the holes that they'll have, um, I think he's going to be very aggressive. Eric, the news today coming out uh, from Mark Bergevin and uh, that Weber's uh, career is likely over because of injuries. And, you know, Shea Weber, BC boy, uh, had the good fortune of watching Memorial Cup here. He's just been a tower of power throughout his entire National Hockey League and was so in the Stanley Cup final as well. And you see him, I guess, play through pain and, and everything else and, and look pretty good in doing so. Do, do you think this is the end for Weber and and you know if if so you know what what would his legacy be I'll be not the longest one in Montreal yeah listen I I, I speak to my own personal experience with Weber and and again as hockey reporters you know there's a certain we get we get close enough but not necessarily so close that we could say we know these people any better than than anyone else who would on the surface but I did get to know Shea Weber pretty well and I would suggest that I haven't I haven't met five people who have made as much of an impression on me, not just in hockey, but in life, as Shea Weber has. He is a tremendous person. I have incredible respect for him and the way he carries himself, uh, and not only as a person, but specifically as a player. You know, he has dedicated his body to the sport, quite literally. Um, the injuries have piled up, whether it's his foot, his ankle, uh, his knee, which was a disaster a couple of years ago where they thought they were going in for a routine kind of cleanup and ended up having to fix a torn meniscus that kept him out for an extra six months. You know, he had an issue in Nashville with his knee before he came to Montreal. It's just been one thing after the other. And, and I've noticed certainly over the last couple of years that he's been wearing tape on one of his wrists. So who knows what the damage is there. I think when the NHL does its exploration into his injuries and speaks to the medical authorities, I don't think designating him to long-term IR is really going to be an issue, although we don't have a clear answer until Weber, you know, reports back after the summer and meets with doctors. Um, what his legacy will be in Montreal will be uh, as a guy who created a culture here that, like I said, was largely responsible for them going as far as they did this season and potentially with guys like Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield and Yusperi Kakanyemi and Alexei Romanov, uh, sorry, Alexander Romanov being exposed to being in the same room as that player. Um, that's something that could resonate for many years beyond Weber's playing career. And I think when you speak to people around the game, and you speak to his former partners like I did in his in preparation for his thousandth game, which happened this past season, um, you'll hear the same kind of reverent uh, feeling about who Shea Weber is as a person and a player. I have so much respect for this guy. It was such a pleasure getting to know him. And um, I just hope that he can continue his life with his young family and be able to do things from a physical perspective without uh, a large degree of pain and enjoy his life because he deserves that. You know, he's he's a great guy and a great player, and, and he deserves that. It's very unfortunate to see him have to end his career not on his own terms. But when you look at the way he played, um, it's it was almost predictable that, that it would go this way. 
He is uh, Eric Engels. Uh, you can follow him online at Eric Engels. Uh, Eric, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon and uh, enjoy the next 24 hours here, or 48 hours here. My pleasure, guys. Take care. It's uh, Eric Engels, Sportsnet Montreal Canadiens reporter. Bick Nazar and Craig McEwen here on Bick and the Boss. Uh, a lot of stuff that we didn't get to today uh, during Canucks Central. Uh, some things that already happened today. Uh, some trades. The, the, the roster unfreezing. Uh, you're allowed to make trades again. So Carolina sends Alex Delkovich to Detroit for a third-round pick in John Bernier, uh, Jonathan Bernier, sorry. Uh, getting uh, Matt Beniers uh, all ready for tomorrow, uh, Bernier. And then uh, Detroit signs him to a two-year, $3 million per contract. I know a lot of people looked at this thinking, how could Carolina give up on Nedeljkovic, all this sort of stuff. I do kind of look at this from a win-win for both teams. I do get it from both sides because if you're at Carolina, you were just paying him 700 k and you got – reasonable level goaltending and they were playing Peter Mrazek and all this sort of stuff. Can you save money in total in net and facilitate that money elsewhere? Cause I think if I'm Carolina, that's how I'm approaching this. We had such a great team. We feel we can invest more money elsewhere in the roster. And maybe we, we prop up our goalie a lot more by only spending one and a half, $2 million in goal. Well, and, and my understanding is, is that there were some discussions about, new deal and it just didn't get there so you're right uh in the idea of again everyone in this flat cap era and and, and, you know ian mcintyre talked about uh, how difficult it is for hockey teams to run during this period Mm -hmm. because things aren't going up it's not increasing every dollar or million dollars matters and if they can get a level of goaltending they feel at a lot cheaper price. Like, why wouldn't you do that sort of thing? And and, and Detroit needs help everywhere. So uh, a smart move by Carolina. I mean, I, I still really like the hockey club that's there. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they have a number of great pieces. And, and losing him, yeah, it, it hurts a little bit. But what can you bring in uh, in behind is, is what really matters. I, I, I kind of feel like there's just this um... – blanket approach to how to build teams. And and my my retort to that is like every team has different motivations. Every team has got a different idea of how they think you build a winner. Carolina's, let's be real, has been vastly different uh than everyone else's. We we've heard of how they value things and and you think of even just the Rod Brindamore uh contract negotiations, how they took a hard line on what's perceived to be a very, very good NHL head coach. And they were willing to push him to the brink to try to save every penny. And I look at this and I think, okay, they have a valuation on this. And to be honest, like, I don't really have a lot of cause to be doubting what Carolina is doing, considering how successful they've been in recent seasons. And you see just how tenacious they are on the ice and how productive they can be. Now, it hasn't resulted in you know finals appearances or anything like that. But you would look at that team and think they've got things going the right way, even if they're getting called the Carolina Panthers sometime. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, crack and unveiling. Listen, you know, this Stanley Cup aside where you saw two world-class goalies making lots of money, We've seen a history where you 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 don't need a ten million dollar goaltender to win a Stanley Cup. You yeah, you can this year have, bucked the trend. Yeah, this year did. So you 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 know you you think of a Bennington as opposed to a, a Vasilevsky, and and Carolina's 
mine, they, they feel the, the money or allocation of those said funds that you're saving there and, and getting maybe a veteran quality guy for a million bucks or 1.5, that's value to them. And that's what they, they look at and how they want to build around. You're right. There is no exact blueprint or everyone would do it and win a Stanley Cup. It's, it's what you feel, what your identity is, how you want to go about doing business. And yeah, they've been accused of being uh, cheap with, you know, broadcasters or, or positions within the organization. And hey, they're running it as a business in, in a market that isn't hockey mad. And maybe that's exactly what they have to do to be successful. Uh, Vic Nazar and Craig McEwen, we'll, we'll recap some of the other trades today we forgot to mention uh, during that interview with Eric Engels. The Abbotsford Canucks uh, announced that they have uh, signed someone. It is uh, from the Saskatoon Blades. Uh, Chase Wouters, uh, I believe that's how you pronounce it, a center, right shot. Look, I'm not going to claim I've watched uh, much Saskatoon hockey, but they are starting to You didn't to get the up. Blades package this year? We didn't, no. We didn't pay for that? No. No, Chase Wouters is their... Uh, they're signee, but uh, starting to build together uh, that AHL team, C-Mac, from, from a way that we had heard that they were very encouraged about as well, going to the WHL, getting guys and, and from, from from that level rather than the traditional draft them, send them down kind of thing. Yeah, and I won't be shocked, Bick, too, if there's a few local kids that end up here. Mm-hmm. And by local Maybe they played for Western one of Canada, the yeah yeah maybe they played for one of the Western Leagues teams here. Maybe they played minor hockey in one of the the Lower Mainland or Fraser Valley minor hockey or academies. That idea of bringing some of those kids home uh, will not only help put a few more fans in the stands because parents, friends, family, all that will want to go watch, but getting an identity and tying it into what they are, a Western Canada or a Fraser Valley hockey team, it's probably going to be a bit of a strategic move on their part. And if you can develop those guys and they can make it to the big club, even better because now you you, you have that local flavor and, you know, that buy local identity is Mm -hmm. is not a bad move. Shop local is what you're doing? Hashtag shop local? Is is that what the Abbotsford Canucks are doing? Why not? Why, why, why wouldn't you do that as you try to build out your hockey team and, and, you know, realize that your number one draft pick may only be there for a little bit or may not stop there at all, whoever that might be, you're going to have to have some sort of hook or identity and yeah, shop local. Uh, he was a captain for the last couple of seasons as well in Saskatoon. So, Hey, there's that leadership aspect, a big change for a new organization starting it out in, uh, in Abbotsford. Got to get guys that are uh, uh, leaders uh, in that regard. So uh, we'll continue the conversation here. Uh, uh, we're going to talk to Ken Priestley as well on the other side of the break. Uh, but that's the latest from the Vancouver Canucks. No trades, though. Still still holding our breath. Still like. efforting. Efforting. They're still efforting. They're working on it. They're working on everything. Listen, Ian McIntyre said it there. Wouldn't it be great to be on every trade call or, or – uh, have that uh, video surveillance camera in Jim Benning's office. It's not going to happen. We we don't know what's being discussed or what's being kicked around. Uh, you just have to take someone at their word that they're they're trying their best to do something. Something. Well, we'll see. I, I think one of the issues here too, and and, and this kind of goes into the you know delay in, in a trade is how in, if you're willing to give up assets for Nate Schmidt, six million dollar contract, you know, quality player. Are you also not in the market for a Seth Jones and Dougie Hamilton? And in, in that scenario, you know, you start tiering where Nate Schmidt resides in, in right right side of D-men, kind of falls in behind everyone. 
Yeah, there's there's got to be some dominoes here to fall first before, um, you know, maybe someone looks at a Schmidt. Although, uh, beauty in the eye of the beholder, uh, maybe someone has their eye on him and exactly needs that type of defenseman but doesn't want to, you know, have one of the other ones or get into bidding war with anyone. You, 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 you may not like the deal here in Vancouver, but they would have some cost certainty on what Schmidt is where some of the other free agents and having other offers played against it might drive the price up. But yeah, I, the big dogs, you know, have to eat first here, in my opinion, when on the back end before some of this other stuff takes care of itself. Vic Nazar, Craig McEwen, we'll be back in a flash uh, with Ken Priestley. Uh, join us from Dunbar Alumber, our Mr. Fix-It here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. You're listening to Pick and the Boss on Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Pick and the Boss. Pick Nazar, Craig McEwen. We'll talk to Ken Priestley, our Mr. Fix-It from Dunbar Alumber in just a minute here. Busy day, busy 48 hours for the NHL. Schedule going to be released soon. Find out uh, fully where the Canucks are starting the season and interesting parts in their schedule. And uh, the NHL draft tomorrow. I'm excited for tomorrow, C-Mac. Draft day, you know, we've, we've been previewing these guys so much. Uh, and, and tomorrow we'll have more draft talk. We're, you know, we're coming off the expansion draft today and roster freeze and everything like that. Um, and Jim Benning speaking today. But uh, I, I'm excited to see what they do with ninth overall, whether they keep it or whether they trade it. Uh, I feel like it's going to get kept, but uh, I, I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, you're right. It's been built up and 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 talked about, but the fact that this week is super busy like this, it's it's crazy to think. And we're we're later in in the year than normal because of the way the pandemic season went. Right. But yeah, everything just seems to be crammed into one. Whether it's uh, you know the, the the expansion draft and then the buyout window and and all this stuff is is kind of coming at us fast and furious. But I am interested to see what they're going to do with that pick. More to the fact that it, it's more out of their control, I think, Bick, and who falls to them and, and what exactly happens. And, you know, could Luke Hughes actually drop all the way there? Mm-hmm. I don't think so, but you, you, you never know what's going on and who's working what deal. And would the Kings... Think about trading that pick because they're so stacked. And would Vancouver move up a pick maybe just to get whoever they want? Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. And uh, it's one of those things where we'd love to get on a trade call with Jim Benning to see their draft board and to see all the stuff that they're looking at and how it all falls into place would be fascinating behind the scenes stuff as well. We'll do this exercise tomorrow, but I'm going to give everyone some homework tonight. Uh, Who do you think the Canucks will pick and who do you want the Canucks to pick? If they're the same thing, great. Uh, but we'll do that tomorrow. So just scribble that down, and uh, one o'clock tomorrow when we're back on air. Uh, I, I think that'll be a fun experiment because I, I, you know, now that we've gone through the full scope of things, we've been talking to Will Scouch, all all the other draft analysts. Sam Cosatino does great work for Sportsnet as well. Uh, I, I feel like I have a picture in mind of who I want the Canucks to pick, and I, I gotta admit, it's uh, I don't think it's one of those top ten guys. Yeah, you're you're bang on what what could be, what might be, what should be. Uh, that's going to be very interesting, and it'll be great to hear people in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox six fifty six fifty. And uh, Ryan and Shimana says hi, Bick and the boss. So Ryan, you now have some homework there to do. Bick has tasked <laughs> you with trying to tell us who's who are the Canucks going to get, as uh, well as uh, Leaf hater Steve, who uh, comes into the Dunbar Lumber text inbox. Um, 
I'm not concerned with our drafting. Benning has learned since Olevi. It's everything else that concerns me. So, hey, drafting, this is, I do believe, uh, Jim Benning's strength in evaluating talent and looking at it and in the scouting staff. And Todd Harvey's done a lot of work. And, yeah, where this goes, um, it's going to be must-listen-to radio uh, tomorrow. Let's get to it. Our Mr. Fix-It, uh, Ken Priestley, joining us now. Our Stanley Cup champion. Here on Bick and the Boss, Ken. How's it going today? Not bad. Yourselves? Oh, we're doing great. Uh, Cmax getting everyone mad at him in the text message inbox, the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, and uh, you know people are, are once again loving me. Hey, hey, nothing changes. And 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 apparently our sales staff, Chad Day, doesn't get off his wallet. That nothing changes there as well. What what is, what are these rumors and uh, reports that? You had to pick up lunch day for Chad Day? Like, <laughs> what is going on, Ken? Like, honestly, what is well, wrong we, with we, the we world times, here? We thought times were tough, and, and, and uh, I just thought, okay, you know what, Chad? I'll be, we'll be nice today, and we'll take it easy. And, <laughs> and, yeah, I just, you know what? I felt for him today, and I thought this would be a nice gesture, and uh, we'll, we'll get him off here, and, uh, and, and next time he can buy. He just, we're just not going to the same spot this time, that's all. You better go to a better spot next time. Yeah, a better spot for sure. (laughs) No, it's all Uh, good. It's all good. It's Ken Priestley, our Mr. Fix-It. So yesterday, uh, the Seattle Kraken become a a franchise now with uh, at least players on their roster, more than just uh, the one prospect. Uh, What do you make of that team? I I didn't think it was as bad as people wanted to uh, point out that they missed opportunities of making side trades. I kind of like a large parts of their team. I like it. I mean, I, it was funny because everybody knows you got, you know, little secrets put out here and put out there and, you know, the, the drama of what was, who was going to go first and second and third, it was already done by the time you turned into the television broadcast there. But you know what? I, I, I liked it. Ron Francis has, he has a vision. You can tell, I mean, I was fortunate enough to play with him for a couple of years and he was a, he's a guy who thinks about things all the time. Right. And there's a plan there. And, um, you know, in his, in his, the way he played the game, he thought about it the way he, the way he mentored teams or players in the dressing room, he thought about it. Like he's got a vision and, uh, there's something going on there because there are players that I thought he was going to pick that were no brain guys. Like, just come on. Like it's right there for you that he didn't bother. And, uh, but at the end of the day, I think they got something they can work with. And I think there's some, there's some trade stuff there. There's some, there's some signing still out there that he can do, but at the end of the day, he's going to do a great job and they're going to be a team to contend with. Yeah. And, and Ken, he really seemed to want to solidify the back end and, and bring in some very good defensive defensemen and some offensive guys. Does that surprise you knowing Ron Francis and his MO that he decided like, Hey, yeah, we're going to have some holes up front right now. Maybe we can address that in free agency or, or, or through the draft or whatever we're going to do. But he wanted the, the solid defense. He, he definitely looked that right. I mean, it was, um, it was, it was apparent to, I think anybody who was, who was watching it, that this is what his, you know, focus was on. He wanted to get young. He wanted to get big. He wanted to be defensive minded at first. Um, there was, there was a, some of those players were the guys that uh, that were still left out there that he didn't pick, but uh, I'm sure there's a reason for it. But um, he's got a good base. He's got a great base there, and uh, and it's going to be fun come tomorrow. And then, 
you know, going into free agency and see what trades get made and, and see what actually is on the ice come September. Talking to Ken Priestley, our Mr. Fix-It from Dunbar Lumber. So if you're building out a roster, right, and, and, and just remove the Seattle Kraken here, I'm just going to let you pick whoever you wanted. Um, when you're trying to build out a roster, is is dedicating your resources to defense the most important thing, or is it building that spine down the center for for your, your, your forwards, your, your centers in particular, or is it goaltending? Like, which one to you, if you were going to dedicate it, your first resources, where are you going to do it? I think I would go defense. I mean, I'm a, I was an offensive player, you know, so I, you know, that's kind of a weird thing for me to say, but knowing how valuable a, a, a defenseman is, left or right shot, uh, a guy that can take lots of minutes, a guy that can – that can that can lead by example who can who can grab his group of defensemen and 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 tell them this is you know this is what we've got here guys we want to make sure these these offensive guys get pucks we want to make sure we're you know strong in our own zone i'm defense and even coaching the u18s defense wins games and um and if you look at the teams that have been really really good uh, in, the, in the last few years, they all have number one defense, like significant number one defensemen who you would consider Norris Trophy guys. And um, you know, obviously Montreal had it in Shea Weber this year, and and look how they kind of came together and and being injuries and all that kind of stuff that he came through. Look what he did in the playoffs and Victor Hedman. I mean, you look at all those guys, and there's a reason why their team and their uh, and their success has been as it's it's around those guys can um you know buzzwords maybe nowadays culture identity and, and back in the day it was probably just a you, you said it was a good locker room and i and i'm sure ron francis learned a lot on the, on those great teams that he was involved with with you but how important is that in this day and age in the putting together a team especially a bunch of new guys that that identity and culture is spelled out from the beginning so that when you put on that Seattle Kraken jersey you know what is expected of you how to play and do things uh, the right way uh, it, it, it's hugely important the, the dressing room is is it's we're not, we're not playing an individual sport we're playing a, a sport that needs every single person who puts on that jersey all four lines you know all 6d goalies backups even the guys that aren't dressed we need all, all that group to be on the same page and, and, and there for one thing. And, and that is to make that team as the best possible team. And um, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, the, the different, just different characters, different personalities. Um, you get some, some players that just refuse to play in situations that, uh, you know, you're a goal scorer coming out of junior, but the coach wants you to be a, a third line grinding, you know, power or PK specialist or something like that. And you just never done that before. And you kind of refuse it. It's hard. It, it's hard to convince certain people and, uh, and certain players. But uh, if you can all get on the same page and you can all be doing, you know, what's best for the team, you're going to have a, a, a very, a, a lot more success at a quicker pace. Looking uh, closer to home with Ken Priestley here, Dunbar Lumber, from Dunbar Lumber, and Mr. Fix-It. Uh, Vancouver Canucks, you know, waiting to make some moves here. 
uh, we're, we're, we're waiting idly by, you know, the, the draft is going to be coming here. That's a pressure point. Free agency is a pressure point. When you look at uh, the, the name that keeps coming up, even mentioned today by uh, Jim Benning, Nate Schmidt is the name that keeps getting brought up. You know, the, the, the thing that's been expressed a lot is fit and that the Canucks need a you know, shut-down demon. Do you look at him, if a trade doesn't come to fruition, they have to bring him back, do you look at him and, and think that is a guy who can kind of be a matchup role and maybe you'd like to see him next to Quinn Hughes more often? I don't know if he's a shut-down guy. Um, I, I, I think Nate Schmidt is a good defenseman. Um, the, the role that, that he's been asked to play I mean, I, I, I don't know that other than uh, it's probably a different role than he was asked to play when he was in Vegas and in Washington. Um, I think a couple of, a couple of shows back, we talked about uh, the Ekman Larson thing and, and mm-hmm. bank the, the Canucks have a guy who, who is young, who is, uh, who, who is an offensive minded guy. Um, they've invested this sort of, time into into giving him this lead and i don't think he has done anything wrong or anything to not be that guy um last year was a little bit different maybe as plus minus but he was still that uh, dynamic offensive guy uh that you want to see in some of your your defensemen and um you know nate schmidt is is a proven nhl guy there's no question we all when he was in Washington, he was a great player. When he was in Vegas, he was a, 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 a definitely defenseman that you had to watch out for. Um, if he is one of those guys that, that needs to play that offensive role all the time, then you're going to be splitting time, you know, with, with him. And, 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 and that sometimes that's hard. You know, you, you know, Quinn Hughes needs to be the guy, I think, and you need to build around that. And, um, you know, given, given what he's been has, he has done, um, that's your guy. And, uh, if, if, uh, Nate Schmidt comes in and, 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 and needs to be that, then, then maybe it's going to be a little bit tougher on him. But I still think that, that he has lots to prove last year may not have been his best year, but, uh, it was also a difficult year in so many different reasons that, uh, you know, maybe he just needed to be, uh, one year in here and then see what happens this year. And, and then maybe the jury has to come out. Uh, Ken, before we let you go, there is uh, a question here in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox. Uh, ask Ken about the goal he scored against the Canucks at the Coliseum. Nice shot. <laughs> That's a long time ago. I, I, <laughs> I, I do, I do remember it. I, I, I'll never forget it. Um, I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure who the goalie was, but uh, I know this dates me too. But I know Don Lever was the guy that gave me the puck, and uh, you know, being a kid from from Vancouver and, and always watching the Canucks and growing up watching the Canucks. My first game here and, and me getting a goal was, uh, was a special moment and something that I'll never forget. It was, it was, it was unreal. Uh, he is Ken Priestley, our Mr. Fix-It. Ken, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll speak to you next week. Thanks, guys. Take care. That's uh, Ken Priestley from Dunbar Lumber. Uh, joining us here, Mr. Fixit, as he does every Thursday. Uh, before we went to break, we were talking about uh, the Abbott for Canucks making a signing, and I said Chase Wouters. Uh, my apologies. Uh, a lot of people have been telling me. Uh, Chase Waters, apparently. W-O-U-T-E-R-S. Uh, and I uh, took a chance, and I said Wouters, and uh, it's it's Waters. Chase Waters. But he's going to wow 
the crowd. Oh, uh, slow down. I just wanted to correct but, something. But listen, Waters, like, why doesn't he spell it W-A-T-E-R-S? You know, that, that, would be the, that would be the smart way to put that in there. Sure. Sure, I, I I don't get caught up on people's pronunciations and stuff like that. So <laughs> I'm trying to have I'm trying to have your back here, buddy. And, don't worry. And, about, hey, I'm taking I'm taking ownership. This is this is accountability. This is what you do. Nice. And and listen, Ryan from Shamanus is taking accountability. We we tasked you or you did the the listeners yeah. for the Dunbar Lumber Text inbox uh, tomorrow. We were going to go through the exercise like who do you want or think the Canucks are going to take with the number nine overall selection? And he said, cool, draft homework. I won't be able to tune in until late afternoon on Friday, so I'll hand in the first half of the assignment now. I would like to see the Canucks choose Luke Hughes. There you go. Luke Hughes. Going to be a popular choice. Uh, Greg Ballack's texting me here. Uh, He found the goalie Ken uh, scored on. Uh, It is Frank Caprice. So there you go. Ken, if you're listening right now. Frankie Caprice, yes, yes. In uh, a 6-4 Canucks win. So there you go. Uh, Ken, if you're listening, now you remember the goal that you scored on. Good find. <laughs> but he, he did remember Don Lever gave him the puck, and, <laughs> and Lever was actually a former Canuck. So there you go. There's always a connection. Always a connection. Uh, Bick Nazar, Craig McEwen here on Bick and the Boss. So Seattle Kraken, uh, we were talking there about uh, uh, with Ken. Um I know a lot of people are kind of underwhelmed by what happened. And there was an assumption that a lot of trades were going to happen. Even we talked about it last night. Hey, one of the things yeah. to, to be intrigued about are the side deals that might come to fruition. There were some reports that there would be a couple. And turns out there weren't any. And that was something, obviously, Vegas leveraged to their advantage, making 10 side deals. Now, Ron Francis last night really put it on the other GMs of, hey, they didn't want to make the same mistake that they did last time. They were well aware of what happened and how it burned them all. And to be honest, we have spent four years ripping into these GMs. How could you be so dumb? How are you giving away Riley Smith and Jonathan so and Alex Tuck and Shea Theodore and these first-round picks? What do you do? Look how poorly it turned out for them. And so there's an element of that. But did Seattle miss an opportunity to capitalize on this unique opportunity with a roster freeze and taking on some some contracts and letting themselves get influenced in their picks and then capitalizing with some assets. So, yes, there was a bit of a missed opportunity. I gladly understand and concede that point. However, the scale of which to the opportunity we're talking about needs to be examined. For instance, today, Shane Gossespierre, gets traded alongside a second-round pick, a future second-round pick, and a seventh-round pick from Philly to Arizona. Now, obviously, uh, you know, if Seattle were to select him, I imagine they would have asked for a lot more than a future second and a seventh-round pick. So was that a missed opportunity? So, yeah, in theory, if you, th- if you want to capitalize on a second-round pick, I would argue, though, given who they acquired in the... Uh, the expansion draft, you start looking at the left side of Demon that they actually have on their roster. I would take all of those guys over Shane Gossespierre, and you start looking at how Seattle actually built this team. You know, I, I don't necessarily look at it and say, 
that was the only time they they missed their opportunity. If your goal coming into this was financial flexibility, you maintained that, and you can still be a financial haven for other teams. I know there's other teams across the league. You know, Buffalo, what's their situation going to be like? Arizona's obviously being competitive and, and, and taking on some contracts in that market of being a financial haven. But at this stage, when you already know GMs didn't want to get burned, and being this close to the draft, draft picks are at a premium right now. I'm curious, cycling back down to, or cycling future at the trade deadline, if the motivations for Seattle will still be the same to say, hey, we're still a destination for your contracts, but now we're at the trade deadline where draft picks are going to be slightly less valuable than they are right now. Yeah, I mean, perhaps. I guess it all depends where they're sitting in the in the standings and what what they're playing for, if they're pushing for the postseason. I mean, listen, from all accounts, uh, most hockey insider says that Seattle was, you know, driving a hard bargain. And as much as the current NHL group learned from the mistakes of Vegas, Seattle's like, okay, can we replicate what Vegas did? And you know, it was quiet on the trade front. The Kraken weren't really budging on what they're doing. They decide, okay, we're going to go after some free agents then. And, you know, teams like the Flames hoping uh, the, the Giordano price tag would, would, would come down, but it never did. So they lose him. I mean, Seattle was all about the cap space. And to your point, what does that set them up for down the road will be very interesting to see because they don't have a lot of term on a lot of different players when – you, you figured they might take some of that on to, to help clear up some problems. But the brilliant PR move in all this, Bic, is that, you know, Ron Francis tells the world how tough it was. Ron Francis says the NHL has learned they won't fall for that again. Ron Francis, Francis sets it up so that when his bosses come to him say, hey, why aren't we Vegas? Well, were you listening to me when we did the mm-hmm. expansion draft? I just, I just told you it was all, uh, hey, it's truthful, but it, it's, it's a really good, I'll say, spin by Francis uh, in the sense of telling people that, yeah, the no one was going to be fooled again this time around. Well, your management, uh, I think one of the, the complaints that's coming out is a, a little hard-headedness from Ron Francis. Hey, if the market isn't meeting your price, maybe you're the one that should change your price to meet the market. Now, from a management point of view, like I, I get a little bit worried of, hey, this is my first foray, and am I going to be viewed as weak if I'm willing to drop my prices when deadlines hit? Yeah, and he, the problem, and, and we've talked about this, while the comparisons shouldn't be made between this team and Vegas, and in other expansion years where there's two teams and you can compare it like for like because they're the same scenario coming into the league at the same time, people are still going to compare what Vegas did to what mm-hmm. Seattle did. And Francis had to drive a hard bargain, I believe, in the sense that, you know, they 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 figured out early on people weren't just going to give stuff away. Uh, Dale Talon's no longer, you know, a GM. Uh, and they had to have a strategy, a plan, identity, if you want to say, in where they were going and how they were doing it. And your point about the draft picks with, you know, uh, an even better draft coming next year and then you know look what's on the horizon the year after that maybe their plan is we'll be okay for a couple years but we really want to build through the draft and have a strong defense and and see where we can find offense and just be a hard team to play against and we're not going to out shoot you outscore you we're just going to try and outplay you 
Sometimes, hey, as managers, you just got to take a hard line. When you told me, hey, we're working together, I was like, no, kicking and screaming. I was trying to negotiate <laughs> for a better deal. And you're like, you know, I can't cave on this, man, buddy. You and me together. And if you had, if you, if you had wilted back then, C-Mac, what would have happened? Uh, I'm not so sure what would have happened, I, but I had to, I had to stand firm and say, yes, no, you, you, you are going to be tied to this anchor, at least for the short term. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, thanks for playing along there. And thank you to everyone. Text the end, 650, 650. Busy show today in the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Always appreciate your interaction. Keep it coming during the people's show. It is your show. Uh, we got a busy one today. A couple of Shanes on the show. O'Brien and Malloy will preview the draft uh, Coming up tomorrow, Shane Malloy will join us at 5.30. Shane O'Brien at 3.30. Uh, former Vancouver Canuck and Seattle Kraken forward Cole Lind joins at 4 o'clock. And Irfan Gafar at 5 o'clock. And then uh, future Kraken reporter Marissa and Jemmy joins us at 6 o'clock as well. It's all on the way. Sat, Dan, and Randeep taking you through the rest of the day. NHL draft coverage on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your local family employee-owned wholesale distributor with locations across Western Canada. Purchase heating, plumbing, and irrigation supplies online at Sherritt.com. Beck Nazar, Craig McEwen, we're out here on Sportsnet 650.